Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, Bailey Hancock here. Welcome back. Today we have one of my boss ladies friends. Are you sick of hearing about boss ladies yet? Too bad, it's gonna keep happening. Um, This is Shana Marks. She is the founder and principal of Citrine Marketing, which is a boutique social media agency serving emerging lifestyle and wellness brands. But Shana considers herself first and foremost a brand storyteller. She's almost a decade of experience in digital marketing and built her career in the social media trenches at some of the biggest media companies and startups. So I am super excited to hear from Shana and how she got to where she is today. So Shana, welcome to the party. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. Um, it's been really exciting. There, You have had so many people that I love and respect and that have been so inspiring to me. So it's an honor to be a part of that. Thank you. You're in the club, girl. You're in Woo! the club. <laughs> All right. So let's start at the beginning. What did little Shana want to be when she grew up? Do you remember? That's so funny. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I went there's some phases when I was a kid where I wanted to be very stereotypical type roles. I I wanted the male ones, actually. I wanted to be like a firefighter for a little bit, and then I wanted to be a police officer. And then I just started writing. I would be, I would write all the time. I would, I would take, you know, my aunt and uncle gave me like the biggest clunky laptop, and I would write these stories, and, and that kind of supersedes some sort of profession for me. I just always loved that. And that very much dictated where I went um, in terms of school. uh, And, and I guess without even, I think, realizing it at the time, I wanted to be a writer. Hmm. That's awesome. That's so funny. You said the firefighter. So I don't remember if I've mentioned this in a podcast episode before, but I was in one beauty pageant ever in my whole life. And it was the 1990 Little Miss Firefighter beauty pageant, right? Oh my gosh, that's amazing. The panel of judges who were firefighters said, what do you want to be when you grow up, little Bailey? And I was like, a firefighter? Duh. (laughs) Obviously. Did you win? With that answer, you should Yes, I certainly did win. Thank you very much. I was like, well, obviously they want me to save firefighters, so I'm going to save firefighters. Very smart. And this was Bailey's first career successful moment. (laughs) Play to your crowd, everybody. Yeah. That's awesome. So, yeah, so you wrote, what kind of, what were you writing when you were growing up? Were they like stories or fictional stories or about your friends? You know, when I was younger, I used to write fictional things, um, but it was always inspired by real life. And now I can't write fiction for the life of me. I have a degree in literary journalism, um, which is long form storytelling journalism, basically the types of of pieces that you read in the New Yorker. You even see literary journalism on podcasts, like serial is literary journalism. Um, I get real geeky about that stuff and very excited about it. But storytelling was always this total core of what I like to do and creating narratives around things that were either inspired by real life or documenting real life was kind of the way that I went about it. I won a writing award in eighth grade. And um, yeah, it was just always totally my passion and strong suit. I don't think I realized literary journalism was an option. Yeah, it's funny. People think I'm saying literally journalism a lot. (laughs) (laughs) No, guys, like literally. Literally journalism. That is my degree. Yeah, (laughs) no. Literary journalism. It's it's long form. So the, the real 
differences that you, and, and truly this is, it very much informs what I do as a marketer. Um, and that's, that's to listen first and foremost as a reporter, but then also really to, um, to build character and to create plot and storylines in a way that's different from journalism, like a newspaper, right? Like you're developing a story and you're weaving things together like S-Town, um, which yeah. is a serial podcast, was this so incredible example to me. I, and, and I use this one because I think he did such a beautiful job taking pieces of, of his entire, you know, book of, of facts and, and retelling that story in a really beautiful way, but it was all true. Um, you know, it didn't end in the way that you thought it might because life doesn't. And when you're writing fiction, you get to make that up, but life doesn't work that way. If I, I think if had I known literary journalism was a thing, I would not have dropped out of journalism as a degree. <laughs> I went into journalism wanting to write magazine articles, which sounds like that's kind of what that is. And when I took my first reporting class and they were like, write for a fifth grader and write, you know, just the facts and no superfluous language. And I was like, well, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the way that I like to describe it is that journalism is black and white and literary journalism is, is all colored in. Oh, I love that. So what did you do when you graduated? So I went and traveled for a year when I graduated, actually. Um, absolutely, hands down, one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. If there was one thing that I'm so proud of myself for recognizing, it was that once I started my career, I've always had like major passion and fire. And, and by the end of traveling, all I wanted to do was get home and work. Yeah. I was applying for jobs sitting in a cafe in Thailand. Like, oh, what a crazy person. Crazy. <laughs> but I, I knew that once I got into my career that I wouldn't be able to as an American, truly be able to take off the time to really travel like that for a whole year. Um, so I lived in Australia for about nine months and then backpacked wow. through Southeast Asia for three and a half. And then I came home and I had no money, negative money, of <laughs> course, um, and was living with my parents and drove into LA two hours each way to work at a, an, an a nonprofit in entertainment. I thought, mm -hmm. I thought, okay, I really want to go into entertainment and use my degree in that regard. Um, but this is so funny and sort of embarrassing. <laughs> what I, what I learned is that I had a penchant for entertainment journalism, AKA like people magazine and, <laughs> and us weekly. And I, I liked entertainment in that regard, but I got there and realized it's not my place. Um, but I started there in social media I, and I, this was in 2009 mm. and it was very much at the time where Facebook, uh, Facebook pages for business either just Barely. came out or were just about to, yeah. um, it was, you know, you, you had profiles for your business and I was very much that lowly intern that social media was, was given to for a lot of years. And some people still think it needs to be, which is hilarious and a terrible mistake. But, uh, I mean, interns are great at what they do sometimes, but, um, but yeah, I, I got started in social media, um, working with some really high profile people. Actually, it was, it was pretty amazing, um, to get the kind of exposure to really celebrities on, on social platforms that I had and, and to really, um, 
drive some real results too. We drove about 10% of our, we had a, a big trade show and conference. We drove about 10% of our registrations off of promo codes from social media that year. And, and to me, this was in 2009 where people were saying yeah. social media is, is like not a way to, to drive revenue. And right. we were seeing results already. Yeah, that's, you know, I think maybe one of the only um, bright spots of graduating college at the beginning of the Great Recession, as a lot of us have, um, is that if you got into social media at that point, you are now, if you stuck with it, one of the foremost experts because you were part of its growth. You were part of its emergence as a business tool, not just, you know, a time waster socially. Um, I remember being at my company back in that time and fighting for them to create a Facebook page. And they're like, I don't, nobody's going to go to it. It's not, that's nothing. I'm like, just have one. What's the harm in just having one so that you can say you're there at least who cares if nobody goes. So we finally got one. And it's just so funny now, gosh, nine years later, just to see how pervasive social media is. If you don't have social media as a business, you, you kind of, don't exist. Like you, if you can't find someone on social media, you, you have real questions about their, their legitimacy or even their, their real existence. It would have been like not being in the yellow pages 10 years ago. Right. Like it's just not an option. You want yep. business, don't you? You've got to be in the yellow pages. Poor right. yellow pages. <laughs> well, and more than that, I guess what's, uh, there's so many huge opportunities. And of course I feel this way, but you have this amazing opportunity in place to tell your story in a, in a way that is continuously being told and continuously being delivered right into the hands right. of people. And you can be so much more nimble with your story because I mean, the amount of times that I have changed my own page, like my business page to reflect what it is that I was working on at the time or what I was excited about moving towards too many times to count, but people have such short attention spans that it kind of doesn't matter. Right. And, and the amazing thing is that the nature, the nature of social media is that it's changing all the time and it's a natural place to experiment. It's totally okay to do that. One of the biggest things that I always stick by is progress, not perfection mm -hmm. test. If something, it is a little bit of throwing stuff at a wall sometimes and seeing what sticks. Now I don't, I don't mean that in an unintentional way. I mean, if you get inspiration in terms of here's a new story that I want to tell or a different way, or, you know, there's no reason why you can't go and execute it literally right, right that moment. Yeah. It's more experimental than haphazard. Right. Yeah. Totally. Okay. So after this nonprofit, if you're like, all right, maybe not quite right. What came next? So at that point I went to work for, um, what is now visit Anaheim. And I spent two years there in social media, um, promoting the destination of, of Anaheim and Orange County. And again, like this truly super enriching experience. Um, it, it was one of the first places I had worked that people, my boss had been there for 35 years wow. and you don't see that ever anymore. And it was, it was amazing. Um, they, I, I truly got some of the best experience ever. They gave me a lot of, of leadership opportunities. Um, and I am very much happy to be on a team and to follow the lead, but I really shine in that kind of, you know, opportunity to be, to, to step up as a leader. And, and that was, you know, I think 
looking back, one of the moments that I felt the most really, really lit up and, and I, I kind of chased that feeling for a while, um, mm. which we'll get to, but, but I, I had it really great there, but I knew that there was something more for me. So I, after two years decided that I wanted to move to San Francisco mm. and work in startups and, and really live somewhere else. I think after, you know, after traveling for a year, I felt like I wasn't ready to just stay in Orange County for the rest of my life. Like a lot of the people at that job had and not, there's nothing wrong with that. I just felt like there's, I want to explore more. I want to, I want to live other places and I want to, I want, I want to learn more really. Yeah. Well, and at this point, are you under 25 still? I was, 20, I was 25 or 26. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like there, something happens around that age to everybody where they pause and they're like, wait, is this it? Is this everything? Is this the whole thing? Do I want this to be the whole thing? Like mine, (laughs) yours was, I'm going to move to San Francisco. Mine was, I'm getting a divorce and selling my house and moving from Florida to California. (laughs) So there are, uh, there are levels. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) What's, what's funny is I, I did this and I thought like, oh my gosh, this like, I might ride this rainbow. It was very much at a time where startups were just exploding. Like it was 2000, 2012. Mm. Yeah. 2012. So it, anyways, I, I really thought like, oh my gosh, I'm about to go to this land of opportunity. And Mm. it it was in a lot of ways. So you Um, did make the move. I did make the move. I moved in August, 2012 and I started working at a company that is, is no longer around, um, startups. Such is life. (laughs) Yeah. They're called Ustream and they were the first, one of the first live streaming platforms. Um, so I got into this, this live streaming platform before live was really cool. Like six, seven years ago now, almost yeah, we six take years for ago. Grant, we take for granted how easy it is to go live now, but it was only a few years ago that Periscope, you know, was a brand new idea where you could like literally stream live from something that was such a mind blowing thing. And now it's like, oh yeah, I did a Facebook live this morning. Whatever. No big deal. We forget yeah. so quickly how fast things change. I know. And, and it's, it is really interesting from, you know, I could get real nerdy from a, from a, kind of barrier to entry standpoint. So I was hired at Ustream to do one of the funnest jobs that I think I have had to date. And that was to be the community manager on the, on the animals and wildlife vertical. What? So it was literally my job to watch animal videos all day long and to share that with an audience of millions of people. Um, we had the highest we had the highest streams in animals and wildlife. We had a an eagle cam live on Decora Iowa Eagles. Um, another really really popular one, and you may have heard of this one, is the Shiba Inu puppy cam. Oh my god! It's just like a, a camera on puppies all day long, and people and just sit there at their desk to monitor this to to monitor to work with the the broadcasters to get them more visibility and to also encourage them to stream because right when we have people that are streaming content that we then have viewers and so we it was my job to really kind of be that middleman in between the audience and and these these people that were streaming from their homes they had hummingbird nests in their backyard and have HD cams set up and and from a technological standpoint from a support standpoint we had to do a lot. We went out 
our t we had a team go out and install about $10,000 worth of camera equipment in Iowa for these Eagles because it was that big of a, of a viewership for us. So we helped them. But I mean, now cool. it's just straight up on your computer, on your phone and, and the quality is incredible. So we've come a long way, but yeah, it was really, um, was that Ustream for about seven or eight months, um, and they pivoted right around five months mm. from me being there. So they went from being a, a media company to a SaaS model, software oh. as a service model, um, which they then became acquired by IBM at um, later down the road. So that's why they're no longer in existence. Wow. But that that pivot ended up laying off 25% of the company and I was a part of that. And so this starts a, a narrative for me um, of being laid off quite a bit. Um, this was the first out of four layoffs that happened Oops. in five years for me. And like, just how are you alive still? Because <laughs> I feel like that is like most people I think in their lives at some point will either be laid off or fired. It's kind of just the way it is before in five years. Yeah. What, what did you, well, I don't want to jump too far ahead. So I feel like probably the first layoff, what was your reaction? Oh, I was, I was devastated. I was super, super devastated. I mean, I don't, it never was, it was never not devastating for me. My career has always been such a huge piece of my heart, of, of me. Um, I am not very great at separating because I feel very deeply into what I do and I dedicate myself very deeply into what I do. So I really struggled after that. Um, I ended up getting a new job about two or three months later at, at a really small startup and it wasn't a great fit and I was not very happy. I was there for probably about five or six months before they pivoted and no longer needed a community manager, um, which is fine actually. I mean, that, that was better. That one wasn't so devastating and I ended up getting a job three weeks later. Um, and this is, this is, you know, very much the startup world. Um, so, so yes, my story sounds insane, but it's not actually that crazy for other people that have worked in startups. Yeah. Sadly, um, that's more of the reality than people realize. I think it's also really worth noting that I took my salary $30,000 up in two years going through all of this. I mean, so. it's high reward thing, right? It's like, you don't work at startups for the stability. You work at startups for the thrill, <laughs> for the adrenaline rush, for the chance that, you know, you busting your ass and pouring your heart and soul into something brand new is going to pay off in dividends. And sometimes it does, but there's a lot of those layoffs in the process usually are making next to nothing with the hopes that it'll pay off later. Right. That's cool. So that job. It's kind of like a ticket one. to the moon, you know. It is, you, yeah. You, you, you almost, you might die, <laughs> but you might get to go to the moon. But then you might be in freaking outer space. So it's like, I mean, weigh your options. That's why yeah. whenever people are like, oh, I want to be an entrepreneur, I'm like, maybe start with working for an entrepreneur first. So you can see what it's actually like from the inside. But if the company folds, your life isn't going to fold. You're just going to get a new job. As an entrepreneur, if the company goes down, it's a way bigger hurdle to start something else or get a new job than it is if you work for one. Absolutely. Totally. So what was next? Um, 
So I worked for OkCupid Labs, which is actually what Tinder came out of. Oh. Um, it was under the, the Match.com umbrella. Definitely one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. I was a copywriter there. Um, and I was there for about nine months before Match decided that we that we were not a viable business model. Um, our company was called Delightful. It's since been rebranded and has Steve Harvey at the front of it, um, still owned by, by IAC. Um, but we were, what, we were, on. what isn't Steve Harvey <laughs> like the host of or in charge? I feel like this man is everywhere. I know. I know. It's so funny. I mean, obviously we all were like, what's delightful going to be after this? Um, but yeah, Steve Harvey, of course. Sure. Um, so, so delightful was a was a service somewhat like Groupon, but it, we provided curated dating experiences for couples. So it was a way for the the Match.com um, properties for them to continue monetizing after a customer has been successful. So it was an interesting sort of like business model because for them, when a customer is successful on a dating app or property. It means they leave. They no longer are spending money with you, which is not normally the case when your customer is successful. They normally spend more with you. I mean, the nature I've of relationships. I've never is considered they end. that. Yeah, I mean, people come back because relationships end. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, I mean, this was. I think you know, in concept, it was a great idea. In execution, it was challenging to scale. Mm -hmm. um, but that that was my you know third time in two years. And I was broken. I was very much, I think, wondering, like, I mean, how do you not have that happen to you and think I'm the common denominator? Right. So it must be me, right? Yeah. But it wasn't. I mean, the whole company ended at that point. So, you know, it, it, I, I know that now, of course. Um, so at that point, I decided to, to move back to Southern California and I interviewed for a job. I made it all the way through the end of the, the, through the recruitment process. They were deciding between me and another person and they chose an, the other person. And I was so gutted. I ended up continuing to freelance for them under this new person that managed me and I just I felt very much at a complete loss and very I didn't have any real self-worth at that time I felt I was I was lashing out at people in my life I was drinking too much I was just doing you know not happy at all and I ended up getting a call from that company like a month after and they said we made a mistake and we want you to come work for us and be the content manager for us. So I ended up moving to San Diego to work for business.com, mm. which has since also been acquired. Um, so I went to work there as, as their content manager and eventually moved into a director role for their editorial team. I scaled their publication and entire lifecycle process um, of content something like 2000%, which is a huge, wow. it was a really, really huge growth time um, for me. I was there for almost two years and, and absolutely loved so many aspects of it. I love content development. I loved serving a community with content. I loved, I oversaw social media. I wasn't in it in the same way that I had been previously, but I oversaw it and was used. We were very much utilizing it as a distribution channel. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge place for us to be building communities. So 
it, it was an amazing experience, but they were going through an acquisition and I said, uh-uh, I know how this is going to go. So I decided, you know what? I think there's something else for me somewhere else and started interviewing and I got a job in LA. So I moved to LA in May of 2016 and for a, a job at a huge media company here. Um, and I, I was over the moon. I, I, I was really feeling like I dodged a bullet. Um, with, You're like, with not, not going to get me again. I know. Yep. <laughs> totally, totally. And um, which everybody did end up getting laid off from business.com, of course. Um, but I spent about four, less than four weeks at my new job before they pulled us all into a conference room and told us that, unfortunately, our division was coming to an end. And I mean, my heart, like my heart's actually like beating really fast talking about this. And I feel like I feel this, this like emotion rising in me because I mean, talk about the rug just completely being ripped from under you. I truly felt like, what yeah, am what I doing hell? wrong? Like what? like all I wanted to do was to get there and to be there for a few years and to become a leader and to prove myself and to work hard. And I continued to show up in all of these jobs and felt like, like I was, all I kept getting back was, was essentially a door slammed in my face. Yeah. So thankfully I can, I had continued, um, freelancing for business.com after I left. They, since they were going through this acquisition, they couldn't hire anybody to, to fill, to backfill my role. And because I played such an integral role, it, they really needed the, the support in editorial. So I had, you know, enough to live. And thankfully, you know, that truly, I think was the first sign from the universe, this is all going to be okay. And maybe stay this course started to interview for other jobs here. They went into this one, this one place here in LA and interviewed there and they were a content company. And I walked in the door and I just kind of got a weird vibe. And then I looked above the door and it said, did you do your best today? And for some reason it made me crazy. <laughs> I was like, it, 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 it like it, it lit this fire inside of me. It made me mad. I felt like, yeah, I did my best every day working for these companies. And you know what's so funny is this company that I interviewed at, I'm not going to say their name, of course, they have laid off everyone that they hired to be on this editorial team. Content is a very tough business to be in. I, and, and speaking of that, though, did you at any point stop and think like, okay, maybe this is not a good job. Like maybe content is just this passing fad that nobody can keep around for a long time. Like. I mean, I'm sure if I were you, I'd just be sitting there making lists of like, what is the deal here? Like, what is the common denominator? Because it can't be you, you know? Yeah, no. And it, it's very much, it's very much the content business. Here's the thing. We all need content. We all want content, but people want it for cheap. And they, and unfortunately, there are a lot of ways to get it for cheap. And we also have a massive oversaturation of content. So it's tough because especially when we got into a place of where everybody wanted more volume instead of necessarily quality. Um, that also really, I think changed a lot of things for content. And 
really what was the biggest thing probably is if like kind of the kiss of death for a lot of content companies and very much the case for the media company that I moved um, you know to LA to work at is there was a big Google update um, I believe it was panda and it, it really changed the way that that people that were producing content in a content farm kind of scenario were able to, um, you know, really reach the masses online. So it, it took a lot of companies majorly down and, and change business models and all of that. Anyways, it, I, I definitely thought that. And, and what's interesting to me now is the way that this has transitioned for me is content still very much plays a role in what I do, but in terms of being lucrative in marketing, it's it's not necessarily blog posts that are gonna get you there. They're amazing and they're good supplemental marketing pieces, but it's about connection and it's about really, um, you know, about getting people there to the in the first place. If you produce something amazing and then you don't have the audience to support it, it's, you didn't really do very much. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's completely true. It's like it's an amplification of other things and not necessarily a standalone thing. Right. Right. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean it's it's very much the business model. But I, I, I felt really strongly at that point that it was time for me to try things on my own. Um, I, I felt like I have this freelance work supporting me. What's the worst that could happen? I go back to another job that lays me off again. Yeah. That's the worst that could happen. Right. I feel like your ego had already been slapped around so much that there wasn't as much of a barrier to trying something a little bit scary because I mean, frankly, like everybody has those things, especially throughout their twenties that just knock them on their ass. Those moments of being laid off or getting in a job you thought was going to be amazing, but it turned out to be super boring or just not well aligned for you or, you know, life events that come up that you could never have anticipated. And I think those are so important for us because they show us that you will survive and that even the best laid plans kind of don't matter sometimes. Like you can do all of the right things. You can show up every day like you did and pour your heart and soul into it and still get knocked on your ass. And so knowing that you can survive that probably gave you a lot of the balls to then pursue your own work. Cause it's like, well, I'm not going to lay me off. <laughs> There's at least that. Absolutely. I mean, I learned so much and it, it really, it did kind of change me as a person. I think this whole process, but in a way that made me really tenacious and fearless. Um, when you kind of have gone through like the worst, mm -hmm. you realize that you can do it. Yeah. And that at the end of the day, you're going to be okay. And I learned I was always okay. I always I got knocked down again and again, and I always got back up. It was always, it was always okay. Right. So what I realized is that I, I don't actually ever have to be out of work again. I can always find work. Um, we very much live in a world that you can find work. Um, you can find stuff to do on Craigslist. You can find freelance gigs on Fiverr. You can put your skills to use, even if it's just that you happen to be a great conversationalist, you can go drive your car for Lyft and Uber. And I, at one point, did get, get approved to, I went through the whole process to be a Lyft driver. Um, I didn't end up doing it because I got a new job. But, you know, I think, I think really 
realizing that you have power, even if you think that you don't, is really important. I think that's, that's an insane lesson for people to take away from this because I got to that point too, where I realized like, oh, once I started teaching workshops, I realized, oh my gosh, I can always teach at this point in my life. And before that it was, I can always wait tables, you know, like when you find that bare minimum, you can still make money to survive. Things aren't going to be perfect, but neither is life. It's okay. As soon as you realize like, I'm not going to be homeless anymore. I can always get some kind of work, even if it's not perfect. It's very liberating. It's also really important, I think, to check your pride um, and know that actually the tenacity that it takes to go out and wait tables, even though that's not your ideal job, but you know that you need to make ends meet, this is part of being an entrepreneur and having your own business. There's a whole lot of stuff that you don't necessarily want to do. Most of it you don't want to do. A whole lot. Yeah. But... You got to get, you got to motivate yourself too, because the job needs to get done. And that's the case when you're waiting tables or, or driving for a lift. I mean, yeah. it, it doesn't have to be something that is crazy. Just applying yourself to what you're there to do is a real, real, I think, um, humbling kind of place to bring yourself to. Well, and it's a good baseline to come from for the rest of your life. I think Learning that you're going to survive most failures, unless that failure is accidentally stepping off a cliff. Um, learning that you're going to survive, and then also that you you can make it work. You know, whatever that is, like, and checking your ego at the door is a, a big part of that. Um, I mean, I waited tables when I moved to LA for three years with an MBA, feeling like total and complete shit about myself, but I did it because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to invest the next five to 10 years in. And I wanted it to be something that I actually wanted, not just a job that I would take and spend, you know, waste years of my time just making a paycheck without having my heart in it. I would rather be slightly uncomfortable and frankly, pretty frustrated most days with a waiting tables job, knowing that I was actively intentionally trying to look for something that actually was going to make me happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think getting myself to the place of, of the worst thing that could happen is me being laid off again in a job that I felt like I wanted to have a future in. Um, it was the most liberating place to come to, I think. And the other thing that I think is really important to touch upon is to, is I think something that didn't even really occur to me now, but, but the importance of, of gratitude and of, of relationships. Um, Those two things have taken me to where I am today. Well, I was going to say, you know, that many new jobs in that many years means, first of all, some people worry they're never going to find the next job and you for better or worse. Yeah. You got laid off a bunch, but like you found four new jobs in five years. Like how were you continuously finding and getting those jobs? Um, I am very, very, very lucky and, and, um, but also very active in, yeah. within luck, this luck position is element of it, you know, yeah. like, don't yeah. do yourself a disservice by just saying, I don't know. It just happened. Like it, it, did, it didn't. Uh, yeah, no. no, I, I'm, I'm very, I have a lot of connections. Um, and I have really been a, the type of person to get 
100% all in in so many areas of my life. I've always been very involved and super involved in college and knew a lot of people. And um, I, I very much am the type that has kind of like a big personality and presence and I make connections. And thankfully, you know, I think one of the biggest things that I hold myself to is never burning bridges and many of my clients that have either been clients or are clients now or have been clients in the past have come from jobs before um, and I think this is actually you know it's funny I never thought to myself like hey it wasn't you because if it was you if you were the common denominator every single time that you got laid off you wouldn't have all these people coming back to you in this place in your life and yeah. wanting to work with you again Exactly. And that, my friends, is why even when you hate a job, even when you're getting fired left and right or laid off, not even fired, you still show up. You still bring your A game. You still leave a great impression. You never burn that bridge, even when you really, really want to burn the bridge. I have had times where I wanted to put dynamite under a bridge and watch that shit go up in flames, but I didn't because you just don't know. And you should always assume those yeah. relationships will follow you through life for better or worse. The, the other thing is, too, that that burning of the bridge, that, that, that act that you want to have happen. I mean, there have been times where I've kind of lashed out. It never made me feel better. Handling myself with oh. grace and holding my head high is what makes you feel good. And you feel like, you know what? I represented myself to the best of my ability in that situation, and I'm proud of myself. Yeah. It feels so much better than being like, F all of you. Right. And you can still say F all of you, but like in your car as you're driving away. Yeah. Because <laughs> it does feel a little good, but only for a very brief moment and never worth how, you know, much damage you could potentially do to your own reputa reputation. Mm -hmm. It's just not worth it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of strength in being in control of your emotions and I was reading, I'm a big fan of the Daily Stoic, which is 365 Stoic philosophies. You read one a day. And the one that I was reading this morning was about how much strength there is in not showing anger and in not showing, you know, crazy emotions. And it's not to say you can't feel them because we all do, but recognizing that in that moment, screaming or yelling or flipping people off, like that shows so much weakness within yourself. And it gives them, if anything, a little bit of pleasure watching you lose your shit. So don't give them the satisfaction. Show up, bring your A-game, and people will absolutely remember you as somebody that kept her cool and is like, you know, she made lemons out of that situation or lemonade out of those lemons. Like that's the kind of person you want on your team and people will go to bat for you forever. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it takes discipline yeah. to maintain that. And I – can say that I've come a long way in that. I, I think there have been so many moments where I just saw complete red. And um, I think, you know, learning that that reaction is, is super not conducive to anything that you ever want to happen. I mean, even just managing employees, for example, now, and learning that the way that I react to things with them, it, it really can change the entire energy of a day and yeah. and you know you, you realize how much power you have in communicating with other people and the way that you compose yourself and I think it's a lesson that we kind of all have to learn like there's plenty of times that 
it's easy to get in a bad mood and snap off to somebody at the post office because it does, there's that's like a little inconsequential, but at the end of the day, I think, you know, maintaining this level of like composure is, is really gratifying in a sense. It, it, if you can master it, which I think it's something you probably work on your entire life. If I have to guess, then I think life just becomes a lot more peaceful too, because when you're all riled up, it's rare that the people around you are getting riled up too. And if they are, it's more in defense of your mood. So you're, you know, it's the whole Buddhist, it's like drinking poison and hoping your enemy dies. It doesn't work, guys. So I'm glad you brought that up about your network though, because that's something I harp on a lot. And I think by far and away, the most important element in moving through your career strategically and intentionally and continuing to find jobs that you love year after year depends so much on the people in your community and your network helping support you along the way. They're like the bumpers along your career path that are like, oh, wait, I have a new opportunity that I know you will be great for because I know you, you know, and so many jobs are not ever announced to the world, you know, so many open positions. So leveraging your network in that capacity is massive and just being a good person back. I think relationship karma is for real. And so oh, for sure. Not just withdrawing from your relationship bank, but like making deposits along the way too and helping the people that you can help. It's so amazing when you can return a favor that somebody never expected you to return, like getting them an in at a company or getting them a new client. It feels amazing. So absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. My my network, I, I mean honestly, I, I would not be anywhere. I, I run almost completely a hundred percent referral. Um, and, and it's a total trickle down effect. I mean, you know, I feel insanely blessed to make the people that work with me happy enough to where they want to refer more people to me. I feel lucky that, you know, friends and, and, and people have come to me and they, they're not just blowing smoke up, up my ass, you know, they're, they, they legitimately believe in the work that I do. And that feels, um, it feels amazing. And it also just holds me to a really high standard. Like those people mean so much to me. I do not want to disappoint anyone that I care about, whether they're from 10 years ago or, or I just met them. I think, you know, there's, there's this element to me of that's the core of relationships. And, and really, I think what drives my business forward is keeping this level of, of care and, 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 and kind of holding this, this place for my clients that where I hope that they all feel like they are absolutely my priority and are in good hands here. I mean, I can't think of a better role for you knowing what I know about you and, and knowing all of those years that you went through, just really wanting to give your everything and not feeling like it was received being able to then now have your own business where you can pour and should pour is much of that intensity, tenacity, and love for what you do into clients, which then in turn make them feel respected and heard and appreciated and supported. That's, I mean, it's like almost a little selfish how good that feels when you can do that. Cause you're like, I mean, I know you're happy, but like this feels incredible on your end. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. what's, what's the thing you love the most about your work right now? 
Oh, that's a fun question. So I've really been getting a lot more into the educational side of, of I've my business. I've your videos. Shana's making Thank great videos you. on Instagram, kind of updating us non-social media experts on like the latest Instagram updates with stories and the Facebook algorithm and that kind of stuff that I am so clueless about. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I hope that, you know, my, my goal there is to make it hopefully feel like we're just chatting over a drink and I'm just telling you like, Oh yeah, this just happened. And in the last week, and these are the things that you should care about and here's what you should do about it, but I'm not going to overwhelm you. And I just, um, you know, the biggest piece for me, I think is, is that a, I want to serve, um, this community that I have really felt so insanely supported and, and really, fostered by um, as a female entrepreneur, especially here in LA, but but also just in general. I mean, I've met people on social media that are incredible and just so supportive. And um, I think it comes from a place of really wanting to be of service to people that can't necessarily have a, a retainer right. person. Um, so, so a lot of it comes from this this kind of work that I've been doing, whether it's these some strategy sessions or even feedback just from the content that I see in that, is to see people putting my advice into action and to get inspired by what I'm saying and create content with the apps that I recommend or or do you know something that I that I suggested and get excited about it. I mean that feels so insanely gratifying. I've never been a teacher per se, but it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what teachers must feel like when their students get it. Yes. And it's just, it's like, so, I mean, it feels so amazing to, to know that you drove someone to action. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm with you there. Like there are few greater feelings than the one that comes after somebody looks at you and they're like, Oh, I get it now. Or like um, the biggest thing that, that makes me want to continue doing what I'm doing is empowering people with knowledge that they can then take and do something with. And if they want to work with me, cool. But if not, I still want to see them succeed. So yeah, I feel you on that. So that's your favorite part lately. Yeah, definitely. But I, I also just love, I, you know, I think, I mean, I, obviously I love the work that I do with my clients. What's amazing about social media for, for me personally is I get to, to really foster all these different sides of my own personal creativity. I get to work with beautiful imagery all the time um, and, and discover things and learn. I'm, I learn something new literally every day, lots of things every day. Um, I get to write every day. I, you know, I get to, to be at cool things sometimes. I mean, you know, I truly 100% look at my life a lot of days and I'm, I'm busy, but I still have those moments where I'm like, oh my God, pinch me. This is all really awesome. I mean, I knew that I wanted to have my own business one day. And I think I, you know, I started saying that to the universe, maybe like about a year before I, I ended up losing my job. It was listening. It knew that I was going, that it was going to have me do this when the time is right. But, um, you know, I mean, building a life that you want and, and having it start to stick and be successful and have other people resonate with what you're doing. I mean, that is, the most exciting part of every day. I mean, don't you just want to bottle it up so that if and when another dip comes, which you know it will, unfortunately, 
it, I think that's what's most important is really to, to bottle it mentally as much as you can. And on the days where you are just like, holy crap, how is this my life? This is so freaking cool. Bottle those feelings, but like try and identify what about that day is feeling so freaking good to you so that you can replicate that later or so that you can at least like, you know, pluck that memory out of your head when you're having a tough one and just live in that memory again, being like, okay, this worked before it will work again. You know, the sun will come out tomorrow. So much of, I think getting through the tough times relies on remembering the good. And so hopefully, I don't know, I'm only 33, but I assume life will be a continuation of these ups and downs, but I'm hoping that downs get shorter and shorter every time because you get better and better at dredging up those good memories and then finding a way to course correct to get back to a situation that feels as good as this feels right now. Yeah, it's so true. My mom said something to me when I was younger and it's always really stuck with me. And that was that you have to have the valleys to appreciate the mountains. Totally. And I totally have moments now in this, like what very much feels like an upswing, not that it's not challenging where I think, Oh my gosh, I know a down's going to come again and I can, you know, easily get into a little bit of a spiral about that and things like get a little worried. But the thing is, and this, you know, is kind of what I said earlier is I will be okay. Yep. It's always going to be okay. Yeah. And you know what? Worst case scenario is you die and then you won't care anyway. So guys get over it. (laughs) Exactly. We're all going to die. You know, more like spoiler alert. <laughs> we all know how this right. ends. I mean, my whole perspective on it, the thing that I keep coming back to a lot lately is recognizing that the fact that, yeah, our time here is limited. We don't even know how much we're going to get. So while you're here, blow it out, man. Make the most of it. Even when things suck, like kind of as much as one can find the humor in the situation and be like, damn, this sucks. Like what the hell? Knowing full well that that's not going to be the end. Like keep going, keep moving. There's always more. And frankly, sometimes when you hit rock bottom or you think you're at rock bottom, that's when you have the least to lose. So it's when you're able to be the bravest and take big risks, knowing that like, well, shit, the alternative is just what I already am. So why not? So absolutely, I'm grateful for the valleys. Totally. And I think it's, it's funny that you say that. I think going back to your question of what's the worst that can happen, the, the worst that can happen is, is not even that I get laid off from a job at a, at a startup where I'm taking a risk because I knew that, you know, it, it might be worth taking. It's getting stuck and being in a job that you're safe or in a, anything that you're safe. I have lived my life in a way that I'm 32 and I'm single, not because, you know, I probably could have settled at other points in my life, but I know that there's something bigger out there for me. And I know that I'm going to dedicate myself to living my life in a way that believes in that. And that goes for my career. That goes for love. That goes for just being a person in the world. Be more than just waking up every day and rolling out of bed. I mean, it's, it, I don't, I, you know, like you said, time is limited and, and every day should be treated like it's, it's absolutely a gift because it is. Yep, exactly. Well, I, I think we've just given out all of our wisdom for the day. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to watch what you continue to do. You like Thank go you. check out Shana's, Shana's profiles and all that. They'll all be in the show notes, but literally her color is citrine. It's yellow. And 
I feel like you really do embody this like bright, sunny, happy, optimistic, just wonderful person. So I'm thankful that you're in my community and mm -hmm. you're one of my people. Yeah. So I, we know what this means now. That means we're not going anywhere for each other for better or worse. So you better not. Thank no you. Way. All right, it's guys. It's an honor. See you next time. Thank Bye. you, Bailey.